This is Dan, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited to be here for another week. And uh, the beauty of technology is uh, I have Blake here with me this week. Hello, Dan. So that we can actually like engage and record a podcast together, even though he's sitting in Pennsylvania and I'm all the way here in Arizona. So yeah, we're excited it. about it. So we, Blake and I had talked and we've been doing the prayer series, as you know, um, and they jumped on, Blake and Erica jumped on last week and shared some thoughts and perspectives from about prayer and what they'd been listening to and how they're watching prayer in Allentown and how it can how it's helpful to their people um, and just kind of like, Hey, like here is what Allentown's perspective on prayer is. Um, right. I feel like that is like how you guys approached it. Yeah. I mean, I think probably in all reality, we talked just more about our own experience <laughs> than our community. But I mean, um, yeah. like I'd mentioned on that podcast, like we would love to get people in our community um, on the podcast, but some just, you know, scheduling hasn't necessarily worked out. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, last week we just tried to touch some of the questions that you guys had already talked about, Brooke and yeah. Dan. So we, you know, we kind of talked about those from a perspective of, you know, I mean, it's very similar, right. Yeah. Of like yeah. what you guys had shared, but also just like the, the idea of prayer, um, what trust, what faith is, you know, yeah. and then also talking about hard it is whenever you are in those seasons of yeah. the dark night of the soul and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. One of the stories that Erica shared that I like kind of stuck with me and was like, huh, that's a really unique perspective is she was talking about Alexi and yeah. um, him trying to climb the stairs. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this and he like got stuck yeah. and got yeah. nervous or scared, I think she said. And she mm. just kind of calmly told him like, it's okay, buddy. I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. And reassure yeah, the, them. The, the maturing aspect. Yeah. Right. And I just like, when she said that, I went, that's a really good perspective of how God works. I think. Yeah. In some yeah, ways. I, yeah. I mean, some ways, you know, I think it is God does want us to partner with him um, yeah. and be co-rulers with him. So like God is not afraid of giving himself away obviously. And like wanting us to partake in those things. And yeah. um, he wants us to mature. Right. Yeah. Um, not just always holding our hands. So, which I think, I mean, that's been a hard lesson for me to learn. I think that's a hard lesson for a lot of people to learn, you know, especially, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but like growing Mm -hmm. up in some of the, some of the tradition that I did, um, especially like some charismatic traditions, it's like, man, if you're not feeling this, if you're not getting this directly from God, it's like, what's wrong with you kind of thing. But, you know, I think maturing is more important than that. Yeah. And I think like the thing though, with sometimes, so in a Western view and Erica was hitting on this and I really appreciate it in a Western view, we tend to think that maturity means becoming more independent. Mm. Um, But in a, in our faith view, maturity in Jesus isn't more independence where I don't need God anymore. It's just a, it's a more like we almost, we become more dependent, but with a wisdom of that dependence. Right. Yeah. It's, Go ahead. I was just going to say, of recognizing constantly our need for him, but it doesn't mean we're unable to act. And I think sometimes like 
an immature Christian or an immature Jesus follower is someone who just gets frozen in place um, in like situations that require faith rather than someone who goes, I know God is faithful. I'm going to keep moving forward. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you're talking about like learning the character of God, right? Like being, having been with Jesus, sitting with Jesus to experience the character of God and then knowing like, yeah, he's with me. Right. And when I'm not like, I rely on him. I need him. I know this is all from him. Even like before we jumped on this, Daniel, right. You're talking about like, I realize that, even though I might be good at something, you know, like I'm crushing it at my job or, you know, I'm crushing it with my friendships or whatever. It's like, I realize that that all comes from God, right? Mm -hmm. Like he created me this way. And I think, you know, then realizing he wants us to take those steps and continue to um, partner with him. Yeah. 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 So. That's the maturing, right? It's not yep. that, Oh, now, now we don't need him. It's like, no, I need him any, even more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we wanted to continue this series on prayer and talking about does prayer work. And there's a lot that we could keep talking about with prayer. And so I thought um, when Blake and I were talking through it of like, all right, can we just dive into a parable on prayer and begin to talk about that? And maybe like, I don't know if this is an easy parable or one of the, you know, like people be like, Oh, you chose an easy section on prayer. It's like, no, like I want, I don't know. I just wanted to, hey, like, you know what I'd have to say to those people. <laughs> There's a lot of people having questions about prayer. So maybe we go to an easy one, you know, Jesus yeah. did say some things pretty clear. <laughs> right. And I feel, I don't think anyone is saying that. I'm I just know, like, I'm just... it's easy to go to a prayer because, or a parable because Jesus is a great storyteller. And so then oh, we yeah. can dive in and begin to look at it. And if we are Jesus people, then we're going to get our like following from him first and yeah. foremost. And so yeah. we chose to then dive into Luke chapter 18. Um, and Blake, would you read to us the parable? Many of you would know yeah. it's called the pair. If many of you may not know. Um, It's called the parable of the persistent widow. Um, And so if you've heard this, great. If you haven't, awesome. Like learn along with us and just kind of sit back and listen to this. Yeah. So thanks, Dan. Um, It's Luke chapter 18, one, and I'm going to read through um, eight. So one through eight is what I'm going to read through. And just in case you're following along, I'm actually reading from, it's called the kingdom new Testament, a contemporary translation. It's by N.T. Wright. Um, so it might be a little different if you're following along in something, you know, the U version app and it's NIV or NRSV or, you know, NLT. So if you're curious, check it out though. So Luke chapter 18, verse one, Jesus told them a parable about how they should always pray and not give up. There once was a judge in a certain town, he said, who didn't fear God and didn't have any respect for people. There was a widow in that town, and she came to him and said, Judge my case. Vindicate me against my enemy. For a long time, he refused. But in the end, he said to himself, It's true that I don't fear God and don't have any respect for people. But because this widow is causing me a lot of trouble, I will put her case right and vindicate her so that she doesn't end up coming and giving me a black eye. Well, said the master, did you hear what this unjust judge says? And don't you think that God will see justice done for his chosen ones? who shout out to him day and night, do you suppose he is deliberately delaying? Let me tell you, he will vindicate them very quickly. But when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So that's one through eight. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So as you like, look at that, I mean, initial, like just quick first thought when you read through it, Hey, what came to your mind? Um, First thought is right off verse one. (laughs) 
It says Jesus told them Jesus told them a parable about how they always how they should always pray and not give up. So I do, I, but I, I know that's kind of a joke. But I do think it is important as when you when you go to scripture, um, having an understanding of what kind of text you're dealing with, mm-hmm. and sometimes like specifically yep. with a parable, right? Like I did a whole um, class in school on <laughs> Jesus's parables, but like yeah. understanding what a parable is, right? Um, yep. So he is telling a story to convey a deeper truth, yep. but you always want to pay attention in scripture when it comes back in Jesus. Like a lot of times the disciples will ask Jesus, well, what did that mean? And he'll mm-hmm. give them the explanation or it'll say like this. Luke is telling us, Jesus told them a parable about mm-hmm. keep praying, keep persevering in that. So that's one of my thoughts right off the bat. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I totally agree. Like my, anytime I read a passage, I love what you said there. My brain goes, okay, what's the context? Like ask yourself what, what's happening around it, what's occurring in the larger narrative, Um, you know, ask, hey, am I engaging with a letter? Am I engaging with a story? Am I engaging with a poem? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I always just start going. And to give an answer to that, we're clearly engaging with a story here, but we're engaging with a historical narrative, not just a letter, but it's a historical narrative that's an accounting of Jesus's life. Yeah. And so that's what the gospels are. They're eyewitness accounts about the historical Jesus and what these people saw um, whenever they were recorded down. Uh, But like, that's what that is. And so Luke is very, very, very particular. He's very detailed as he writes things and processes through things. Like um, if you started in the first, uh, if you started in the first verse of Luke, you see his detailedness because he's recording specifically who was in charge at the time where, I mean, cause and who he's writing it to as well. Yeah. So like, that's where it's just like, all right. So as we dive into this, we're recognizing it's coming from a very detailed person who keeps tracks of things. He's getting it from an eyewitness account of somebody who was there, heard this story. And then what's going on like in that immediate parable, what's happening right around it. That's the yeah. thing I started processing and, um, yeah. So like for you, when you looked at it, what were the context clues that you picked up on as you looked around it? Yeah, I think those are all really good points, Dan. Like even when we talked about this and prep, you know, I the first thing I did was turn to chapter 17, right? Instead mm-hmm. of 18, I read chapter 17 and then go through and read the stuff <laughs> behind it. <laughs> we but, do the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, go back. Or, I mean, and obviously it'd be great to sit down and read the whole gospel. You know, like a lot of times we forget that that's probably how those things should be read, you know. Yeah. Um, um, but since I didn't necessarily have the time and that kind of thing, I jumped to chapter 17 and then read through a little bit further than what I read today. But I think, you know, I think some of the things that struck out to me was like, who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to the people who are following him. Right. Like there are tons of places in scripture where Jesus is talking to people who are um, in conflict with him or he is in conflict with them. That's not one of these situations. And then I think, you know, once again, this is a story to get a point across. So I know sometimes we and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Some of the great like Christian thinkers like um, fathers of the church, they got very, um, you know, they got very uh, liberal with some of their um, interpretations of mm-hmm. parables and they would assign certain things to each kind of detail, which yep. whatever, like I don't have a say yay or nay for that. I think some of those things can be really helpful and cool when it comes into being formed by yeah. Christ. Yeah. But can I, here, go ahead. 
Can I just, I just to clarify, when you're saying liberal, you're not talking about politics. You're talking no. about because that that word quickly can start evoking ideas yeah, for yeah, people. Yeah. So maybe a different word that you like, maybe a different word I thought of when you said that was like exaggerative. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Just to make yeah. sure, like, hey, our our listener and listeners are yeah. right with us going, oh, this is what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, even in saying that, like, I'm not talking about a conservative reading of scripture or a liberal no. reading of scripture. I'm not talking about some yep. of the anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, they are they are allowing, you know, their imagination and the the spirit to inform some some uh, creative interpretations, right? Yeah. And it's. Yeah. I mean, I think they still stay with the main point of what the parable is, that kind of thing. Um, But so, you know, in saying that, Daniel, I think like reading this, um, there is a little bit of a funny thing for me, because even stating, like it said, Jesus told them a parable, how they should always pray and not give up. That's not actually necessarily what I get. Like, that's not my first thought when I read the parable. My parable is like, Jesus is telling them about the character of God. Now, granted, he's kind of doing that in a funny way by like using a a negative, you know, a negative portrayal of someone who is not a just man, not a just judge, not doesn't even necessarily sound like a a good guy. Um, But he says, even if this person would do this, wouldn't your heavenly father, you know, like respond and bring about justice and those kinds of things. And, you know, we see we see something similar to whenever um, earlier Jesus says, even you who would do good to your son, uh, even a, a human father, if you would not give your son a snake or whatever, like your heavenly father will do good for you as well. So that's kind of my first thought is like, my first thought is this parable is teaching us like the importance of perseverance in our prayer and trusting God for justice, but it's showing us the the character of God is good right yeah um so that's some of that's my first kind of thought yeah absolutely and like as you're talking i mean so the context around that i was picking up on and noticing in this uh verse or in this passage is it right before it he's talking about the coming of the kingdom um and when when jesus returns and when the kingdom fully comes and then after it um, right there, he's, uh, I love the question at the end of verse eight, I tell yeah. you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but when the son of man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Yeah. Um, in parables, when I took, uh, like a parable class in college too, I remember like my professor pounded into me. The last question that Jesus asked is always the most important. Mm. Like the point of a parable tends to come in there might be an exception to this, but my professor had just said the point of the parable comes at the end. Mm. And so like an easy example of this is when we look at the parable of the prodigal son, um, a lot of Bible teachers and preachers will take it and they want to make it about the prodigal son. And when you look at it, if you take it with that principle that the the point comes at the end, um, it's not about the prodigal son. It's about the older brother. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, because that's the last thing that he's talking about and he's comparing and who he's talking to right before that is the Pharisees. And he's like comparing them to the older brother. Right. Um, and so in this, like, well, then what's the last thing that Jesus talks about in this parable? And it's the, it's that she gets justice, the widow, 
because of the judge. And then the last question he asks of that, how many, but when the son of man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So it's almost to me, it seems that Jesus is tying faith and prayer together mm-hmm. and being persistent in our prayer is also being persistent and, and, uh, is persistent the right word? I think it is persistent yeah. in our faith. Yeah. Yeah. So can, in saying that, Daniel, what, like, what does that mean? You know, like, what does that kind of mean? Like practically and persistent in our faith? Like when you say that, what kind of comes to mind? Um, yeah. Uh, other words that come to mind are steadfast or not giving up. Um, I'm trying to think of like an image that comes to mind, but it's like that, um, uh, I'm watching the Olympics right now (laughs) and it's Olympic season. I love the, I love the Olympics and (laughs) even uh, the winter Olympics. (laughs) I just love all Olympics because it happens only so often. Um, and so I'm thinking of like in a race when, uh, when people set out like cross country skiers or speed skaters, actually speed skaters. So when speed skaters go and like short track, long track, doesn't matter to me. Love it. Um, but short track is super fun. Cause like people fall. Okay. <laughs> uh, Brooke always gets mad cause I cheer on for other countries to fall and so that the Americans can win. Uh, this is the most patriotic I get nowadays. And oh, it's boy. just like, I'm cheering for other countries to fall, which isn't good. Um, <laughs> But if they're like going around and one person falls, um, but the people behind, like they, if they don't fall, the persistence to me comes like, they're the person that just keeps, they can push through that chaos. They can push Mm -hmm. through that, like all around them and not fall down. And they just keep going and they're going to medal, they're going to place, or they can win the Mm -hmm. race, like depending on where the fall happens, you know? And so that, the persistence in our faith, the prayer, it allows us to push through whatever chaos so that we can get to the end of the race. Mm. That's good. You know? yeah. And this connects throughout scripture, like the uh, Paul, the writer in Hebrews, like we all, they all use this idea of a race set before us, that metaphor yeah. in that we're getting to the end of it. We're pushing through, we keep going, we don't give up. Um, and so prayer to me gives us that strength to keep going and not mm-hmm. give up. And that's what faith looks like is it's just, it's this like, I have these questions of not being done because, and I would keep going to this because this is the point. It's not that if I just come and ask God 10 times over and over and over, he's going to give me what I want. I'm coming and crying out to them and saying, I need justice. This isn't right. And, and in the end of that, God, or Jesus says, well, if the judge can give justice to this widow, how much more will God Mm -hmm. give justice to his people? Yeah. Yeah. I, a couple of things come to my mind there and like, what is the, like you just said, the whole thing, there was justice within the parable. Like she is seeking justice. And then um, like, so tying in our faith so much to seeking justice. Right. Um, And like, how much is that playing in the parable of what's trying to be communicated through Jesus and then through Luke as the gospel author. So yeah, some of that comes to my mind. And then even like when you're talking about faith, um, something I've really been thinking a lot about lately, a couple of things have been, you know, our faith as allegiance and trust and thinking through like, so, and putting that into this last question, but when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And like, if our allegiance is to Christ, like we are constantly 
um, in this parable, seeking out him for justice, you know, and some of my, my mind goes to like, how long, oh Lord, like, is this going to, till your justice comes, that kind of thing. But then my mind also went to Abraham Joshua Heschel, who he was a, uh, he's a Jewish theologian, philosopher in the 60s, and was a pretty, pretty big contributor, you know, like, was with Martin Luther King a lot in the civil rights movement and did some, you know, I think he might've been on the Edmund Pettus bridge, I think. And, you know, a lot of times he, he said, you know, I might not have had the words, but our feet were praying and like mm. the active there. Um, so like working for justice as our yeah. prayer and this idea of our faith, you know, growing up, I was basically so much like within the Protestant tradition, like, works was such a scary thing right like oh no 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 don't be about works but like i've come more and more to see just how like our faith is this practice-based thing right like you are called to good works and that kind of stuff so like this idea of will he find faith on the earth this isn't this idea of well has he found people that have had these um intellectual prayers that they are consenting to some idea about god but they are seeking god for justice and then they are going out and living out their prayers in a practical way you know kind of thing yeah yeah i love that the um i couldn't find the words but what was that quote again i couldn't find the uh, words and i mean i'd probably butcher i can no hear. just tell me what you said yeah it, i mean i worked. said I, I couldn't find the words but our feet were praying you yes know? um that yeah. I love because I think that speaks to what we've been hitting on is that prayer isn't just our words. It's yeah. our like it's our breath. It's our movement. Like and we we begin to re- when we begin to recognize prayer as beyond of just coming to God and talking and saying things to him, but as yeah. moving and living and doing things with God and for God. Yeah. And then it allows us to look at prayer in a much more gracious way. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about like um faith as and back to my what i was saying it's like faith as allegiance yeah well i mean you got to show your allegiance you know to show my allegiance to my wife i have to do some things too yeah right like i don't just get to sit around and think well okay yeah i'm married now granted i am that is true you know like i know i am married but i do have to like actively do some things yeah huh Because in that, like when you show allegiance to your wife, it's not just every day coming to her and saying, I love you. Yeah. And then telling her about your day. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's a part. It is a part, but it's the living out too. It's the, it's the choosing her serving. It's the like, and we don't, it's funny that we don't expect in marriage and in human relationships for people just to say, I love you, but then, and that be good enough. But we expect that for God. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you know, and I think part of that goes back to this idea of like that, that fear of doing some kind of work, right. Or whatever, because it's like, well, it's all grace. And I agree. I agree. It is, it is all grace. Um, But that, that kind of means something a little bit different to me now than what, when I first started my journey with Jesus, you know, because honestly, if you like, and I know this is kind of cliche, but you look at the Sermon on the Mount and that's something I've been reading lately. And it's like, yeah, you don't (laughs) think the Sermon on the Mount just doesn't make sense if it's not lived out. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if, it, if, it, if it's not lived out, it doesn't make sense at all. Right. So you yeah. mean Jesus really meant what he said when he said to love your enemies? Like that wasn't just a metaphorical enemy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty mind blowing. And I think like in uh, along those lines, it's like, but when you do start to put those things into practice in a faith community, loving your neighbor, um, forgiving 70 times seven, like that is radical, right? Mm -hmm. Not just saying that you believe in the Sermon on the Mount or saying that, but you start to follow Jesus. That is, that is radical. And that makes people be like, uh, what's, what's up with you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like, even in that, like what you're saying, when we look at Jesus and like the Sermon on the Mount and the seven times 77, what I stopped learning and when I stopped counting and in my faith worrying about it, am I practicing it? And then just started doing it. There was a lot of grace for me well, there. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, the grace is there. The grace is always there. The grace is right. there. But Jesus, uh, so this is something that's been on my mind too lately. Is like um, when Jesus tells people, you guys are looking for a sign. And at multiple point, you know, he says, the only sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah. Um, yeah. Or he, but he says, if you want to know if I do the work of God, if I do the will of God, follow me and find out. Put, well, put what I'm saying, do it and see what happens. You know, that kind of thing. So it's like, and I mean, granted, I've been reading a lot of Kierkegaard lately. So there, <laughs> there's some influence there in that. But just this idea of yep. our our faith is something to be lived out. And yep. a duh, like that shouldn't be earth shattering, but and yep. a lot of what we have made, um, yep. you know, we, we gotta get back to some of those things. So just thinking through like what do these what do these teachings of Jesus, like even yep. this parable about prayer, like what does that mean? What are some yep. practical things I can do yep. as a faith community, as an individual? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this question as yeah. you are talking about faith as allegiance and um, part of that being justice then, because that mm. is what this parable is about. Um, yeah. How does prayer work in yeah. helping you with your allegiance to Christ? Oh man. Yeah. I think, you know, I think just to be completely like without prayer and like, because in my prayer time, in being with Jesus, you know, whether that's imaginative, imaginative prayer that, you know, Erica talked about last time, contemplative prayer, and not the prayer times where I've had where I'm not just trying to come up with words to pray, right? But I am more listening. I am listening prayer. I am meditating on scripture. I'm doing Lectio Divina, those kinds of things, where I am experiencing and learning the the character of god and actually the grace of god mm -hmm. um then it, it does it opens up like what you just said it's like man first off god isn't asking me to be perfect in this and that grace is there but he is yep. saying hey let's try like follow me actually yep. that is his invitation right he's saying do not be afraid follow me do yep. not be afraid follow me do not be afraid follow me so like you know, I think that helps me in my my life trying to follow Jesus and be about his kingdom and being someone who is seeking after his justice in the world because it's like, yeah, I am going to mess up. You know, I am going to mess up. And I think specifically like me as a white person, 
a white skin identity person and something that I, you know, because I followed Jesus, I've leaned more and more into this anti-racism work and, you know, being in, in proximity and solidarity with my brothers and sisters of color. It's like, yeah, you best believe I'm going to mess up, but I know I have God's grace and also they, those people extend grace to me and we're on this journey together. So I think, you know, in my prayer life, like that has definitely helped me in seeking out justice. I've also seen, you know, in my prayer life where it's like, Oh, this isn't just about, this isn't just about those people who haven't wrong, but here's some of that, um, some of that crap in me, some of the injustice in me, Um, you know, Jesus has been good at pointing that out and very gracious and pointing that out healing in some of those yeah. ways. And also like, I'll be honest here is like, I am someone that is very, very hard on myself. Um, so it has taught me to extend grace to myself and not get stuck in some patterns of beating myself up. Yeah. Um, and, and like uh, in saying that there have been times where I haven't moved and I haven't actually done um, what Jesus has taught, because I have been in those cycles of shame or guilt, instead of saying, no, this is the actually knowing the truth, right? And uh, having experienced the truth with Jesus in those prayer times from the scripture, from my faith community, from Erica, from people that in the Holy District, you know, from my friends, from you, from Brooke, to where it's like, okay, yeah, I know the truth. I can move forward, you know? Yeah. So I think that's some of the ways. Yeah, it's almost like what you're describing and what I hear you saying is that prayer allows you to slow down enough to evaluate where, like where things could be and where you're not measuring up to it yet. And then to go, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of my common prayers right now, you know, well, one of my common prayers right now is Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Right. Um, Who's that by? I know that one too. I mean, it's I called the sinner's, the prayer, sinner's or is prayer. it? The yeah. Prayer? Yeah. The original um, sinner's prayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, dear Lord that Jesus, might be, that might be Jesus. Son of God, prayer. have mercy on me. Um, a sinner. Right. Yeah. That might be the Jesus prayer. Yeah. Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So it's yeah. just the Jesus And just prayer. saying that over so, and over and over, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've done different things before of like where I've got, you know, I've got prayer beads and some more contemplative meditative stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I say that because that's a good reminder to me that like, yes, I need God, right? Like I yep. am not, I, I don't have this all figured out. And then another one of my common things lately is in some of that imaginative prayer and contemplative prayer is like, you know, I have this picture of where, you know, I'm with Jesus and what we are is like, we're at a campfire Mm. and, you know, basically it's almost this scene played out of after the resurrection. Mm. And, you know, it's when Jesus is reconciling with Peter. um, But instead of Peter, it's me. You know, mm. so I have, you know, this, I, this picture of where it's me and Jesus at this campfire. And it's like, it also, it gives me a really good time of like confession of what I'm struggling with, what I'm dealing with, where I feel like I'm falling short or, yeah. you know, some negative crap in my life. And I can just say those things, or I can ask those questions to Jesus. And ultimately, you know, pretty much every time how this prayer ends is like, Jesus just ends up giving me a hug. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, those are a what a beautiful things. picture though. Yeah. And I mean, I do think like, um, 
that was really, that was really a gift from God. Um, and some of my imaginative prayer, because the first time I kind of had that image, I felt like, man, I'm just at my wits end, um, and dealing with some stuff. And that's what I feel like was revealed to me. And that was my experience. Yeah. So, you know, I, I come back to that. So I got to ask for someone who hasn't like has seen prayer more as a burden or mm. come from a place more of prayer as like, we've been talking about, here's my to-do list, God, be a part of it. Um, yeah. Or God, this person's hurting. And if you fixed it, it'd be really great. How yeah. did you begin to transition? Like where, where did you start or mm. where would you recommend like, Hey, here's just a really simple first step to take to begin to uh, transition your view on prayer so that you can begin to move more into this, like uh, prayer and faith as allegiance and, mm as you know, this, uh, the way I do, uh, the way I follow Jesus. Oh, that's a big question. I mean, it's been, um, it's been a very long, <laughs> I mean, yeah. a long journey. And but do I you can... remember when it started? <laughs> oh, um, man for, for prayer. Oh man. It's, you know, it's been a few years. Um, well, more than a few, but I think, you know, what I, I started to realize what, and it's similar to what Eric and I talked about last week on the podcast, what I was doing wasn't working, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you know, like it was, it was great in some areas, but other areas I was more anxious. I was more afraid, um, than I was, than I was peaceful mm-hmm. being formed in love. Like I was irritable agitated in certain situations like well that that's not working (laughs) right that's not really making me christ-like so you know there were multiple voices and people that i had read and listened to that have been helpful along the journey i mean living life with erica i mean us in in terms of what we have learned and went through together in this faith journey you know it's amazing to have your best friend be that person you can toss that stuff and figure things out with, yeah. um, toss around those things. Um, I think some of my advice is like, and I'm going to be like, I didn't plan to talk about this or whatever, but I think I maybe feel like it's important to say. So I have OCD. Okay. Um, and probably more specifically like that plays out within like some super religiosity stuff. And I didn't know this up until recently that that's actually like a, a category of OCD. Um, And Hmm. so I have had to learn, there have been times because sometimes people with OCD and what I was talking about just then is like, sometimes they don't know how to like stop praying, right? (laughs) Right? It's like, you all, you, you don't like, did you say it well enough or all that kind of stuff? And it's like, well, that's not the character of God that I believe. Right. But it's just like, there's no off switch in your brain. But I say that is like, I know not everyone has OCD and some of those things, but I had to, I had to learn to trust and say, maybe I don't need to do that right now. Maybe I don't need to, um, be so concerned about how much I'm praying or praying and that's actually healthier for me. And that's actually okay with God. Um, now granted I've always like, I've still prayed and that kind of stuff, but I think, um, yeah, I just felt like maybe that was important because I know there's a lot of guilt and shame around 
praying and, you know, it's okay to say, I don't have the words. I don't even necessarily feel like it right now. Um, and God's okay. You know, like you're not upholding God. God is upholding you, um, kind of thing. Yeah. And it really is this idea of like, God is good. Yeah. God is good. So I think, you know, in my prayer life, um, some of the changes that I made was, you know, honestly learning to view God differently, more reflected in the person of Jesus. And, you know, there's still things where it's like, man, Jesus says this and this does not make sense sense to me. And I have to like do some work on that. Right. And that's where a faith community comes out and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, there are tons of voices out there. One of the main things that comes to my mind is um, Brian Zahn is a pastor that has been um, very influential in my faith journey. He's a pastor in St. Joseph, Missouri. He he actually offers what's called a prayer school. um, And he does that. I think he does some on Zoom now through COVID and everything. I've actually not been a part, but hearing his sermons and how he's talked about prayer um, and wrote about prayer, written about prayer. I think is very helpful. Yeah, that's good. It seems like, I mean, what you were talking about there, um, a comment that you just made that stuck out to me was you realized like it wasn't, or areas of prayer weren't helping you become more peaceful, less anxious, uh, more like love. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it almost, so what it seems like you first started uh, doing was asking, is the action or the practice that I'm doing helping me become like Christ? Yeah. And if it's not, then throw it away. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I never know what people are dealing with or whatever. So obviously the people that know you best, they can better have conversations with you and that stuff. But, um, you know, like I said before, I've been very fortunate in that Erica, you know, I could always say those things very openly with her and say like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I don't think you, you like what's going to hurt, you know, um, try this. Um, but yeah, I mean, geez, when it comes to like actual prayer stuff, you know, I think learning Lectio Divina was a huge thing because it's looking at scripture, um, and learning to pray some of those things, um, and asking God, you know, being open and acknowledging that God is speaking to us, uh, his spirit and maybe what he's leading, um, leading us to. So, you know, yes, those are some, basics and good things to do with community too. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's go back to this passage that we okay. were talking about. Um, Cause we've still been there the entire time and talking yeah. about like persistence and prayer, but beginning to recognize that I don't always have to be thinking, dear Jesus, blah, 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 in my head to be praying. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, this parable is about justice what do you, what, like, what do you make of, because I know you read on, mm-hmm. um, what do you make of the fact, like, why do you think Luke is connecting this parable also to the Pharisees and the tax collector? Mm. Like what, what point do you think Luke might be trying to drive home there with these two stories back to back? Yeah, well, let's read it real quick, just in case people don't know. So yep. we'll go. Um, so we stopped at verse eight in Luke 18. So now I'll read from nine on um, nine through 14, it looks like. So Luke chapter 18, nine through 14, here's what it says. 
This is immediately after the parable of the persistent widow. He told this next parable against those who trusted in their own righteous standing and despised others. Key. Once again, like we already said, there's a there's a hint here of what this is about. Two men, he said, went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed in this way to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unjust, immoral, or even like even like this tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I get. I just, I'm sorry. I started to laugh. I just had the thought. It's never good if you start out and you say, I'm glad I'm not like these people. Um, okay. Sorry. But the tax collector stood a long way off and didn't even want to raise his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Let me tell you, he was the one who went back to his house vindicated by God, not the other. Don't you see? People who exalt themselves will be humbled and people who humble themselves will be exalted. So just a little clarification for people if they don't know. The Pharisee, they were like the religious elites of the day. Yeah. Um, tax collectors, they would have been um, despised because they were people who would have basically been viewed as traitors against their own people because now they were employed by the Roman government, taking money from the Jewish people and also taking more money to try to make their own lifestyle. Um, so in that, you know, to your original question, Dan, I think something that is interesting, we've been talking so much from this parable, the first parable, the persistent widow about the importance of being and following and doing. This is almost the opposite, right? Like there is still an action here, but there is an importance of how is your heart, right? Like, do mm -hmm. you think you're so, you think you're so great, you know, kind of thing? Do you, and is, and is, has your view of yourself has your view of yourself separated you from other people? Um, mm. And I think that's that's pretty important there. So, you know, God be merciful to me, a sinner that I am. That's very similar to the Jesus prayer we were just talking about. And this idea of, yeah, you your own righteous standing, I mean, really doesn't even exist. And it doesn't make you better than others or separate yeah. you from others. Yeah. But I do good. think there's there's like a little bit of like, See, this is a little bit more on the outside here. This is maybe a little bit more on the interior, but it also causes this action, right? Mm -hmm. What I are your thought, thoughts? I just thought it was interesting that, um, like, in in this section, um, uh, Luke right here says, then Jesus said, or Jesus told this next story. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't say, like, You'll notice after that parable that you just read, verse 15, it says one day. So it's not like in the same uh, time yeah. frame. Whereas this one, it goes one day, Jesus told, and then the persistent widow, she's mm -hmm. going to the judge, says, give me justice, keeps going, give me justice. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, fine. And Jesus then continues and says, all right, like, so when the son of man returns, uh, how many will he find on earth who have faith? And then it yeah. doesn't then pause and go, one day again it's no mm -hmm. then jesus launches right into this parable about the pharisee and the tax collector and so for yeah. me as i was looking at it and just thinking like what's luke what's the point that he's trying to draw there is if persistent prayer and calling for justice equals faithfulness then jesus is saying keep being persistent this is how you show up and pray and so Grace. The, the the Pharisee and the tax collector are is are an example or an um an expansion on what persistent prayer looks like where Jesus is going, mm -hmm. all right, you want to show up and you want to be persistent and you want to be praying and being faithful because when I show up, 
I want to know how many, how many people have faith, like, and you want to show that you have faith or be a part of it. Mm. You show up in prayer with humility. Yeah. And you enter the kingdom with humility and saying, and I mean, that's the tax collector. He's being completely humble going. Yeah. um, I can't, what's the words he says right there. Uh, He stands at a distance and uh, beat your chest in sorrow saying, yeah, he didn't even want to me. Like, coming to Jesus that way, like you're saying with your imaginative prayer where you, you meet Jesus on a, uh, around a campfire and you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. Here's what's going on. Like in confessing to him, the, the tax collector is coming from a distance and saying, be merciful on me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like those of us, like the practice of our, this goes back to when I started actually practicing our faith, I realized how much grace there was. Mm-hmm. And those of us like not, I'm not trying, I'm not setting myself up as an example. Um, but the people who practice our faith are the ones who receive mercy because they come from a place of humility. Mm-hmm. And people like when you come from a place of pride where you're like, um, look at all the good things that we did and mm-hmm. like um, that come and can very pridefully say uh, like, I I'm standing on the true gospel or um, come and, you know, give a sermon and they're like, well, look at all the people that I saved and had baptized. Mm. And I think Jesus is going, that's that attitude looks more like the Pharisees and that's not entering my kingdom. And that's not faithfulness. The one that comes like the, the tax collector or like um, the people, the down and outers in our day who are coming going, I don't think I'm fit. I don't think I belong. Jesus yeah. just have some kind of like the, like I think of like people who are in AA and they just come and they're just like saying like, this is me. Yeah. And Jesus goes, great. Here's yeah. some grace. And you're pr- in that moment when you're just acknowledging what is true, you're actually receiving mercy. Yeah. I think um, a couple things coming to my mind, you know, I think the, the, like we've already talked about, like it's, it's the idea of the reliance you know, the reliance on God, um, for his grace and his mercy. And then I do think like, you know, something I'm a pretty firm believer on is like Jesus invites us, you know, I'm thinking about sacrament of the Eucharist right now in communion, like Jesus, that's his table. And he invites us there. And what does he need of us there? He needs honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, he needs honesty. Um, so just this idea of showing up and being honest and not, this idea of you have to have it all together and put on this show. Um, now granted, you know, we have, we have days that are better than others and it's not like try to grovel whenever you're, mm-hmm. um, when you realize, I mean, but the idea is like, whenever you realize that it is all from God, you know, it's like, even in those moments, you're good. And you're realizing that even in your good moments, you're realizing that. Um, I do think what something that came to my mind whenever you were talking, Daniel, is this idea of what um, success actually looks like in the kingdom. Um, And this, uh, and it's so counterintuitive. It is so counterculture of specifically like the American dream. And I mean, I could go on and on about that, but this idea of what success looks like in the kingdom. And even Mm -hmm. to the fact that in this parable, the, Pharisee makes it to the temple. And like you were saying, the, te- the tax collector, he's still a long way off. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like, Hey, yep. maybe, maybe you didn't make it to church on Sunday, but you know what you're saying? Hey God, uh, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Yep. 
Yeah. God will meet you in your prayers yeah. at a distance uh, happily. You know, he's not looking for you to come yeah. in and finding him. Right. And back to, you know, what we talked about, the Holy District is the sacred is everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, God's everywhere. Working with everybody all times. Jesus is filling all things. Yep. Yep. So I, uh, you know, as we look at these two passages and um, we think about prayer working, um, I'll go back for us to kind of begin to wrap up and just ask again, uh, in light of what you've, we've talked about today, in light of what you've read, uh, how, how does prayer work? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's a mystery, man. (laughs) Um, uh, no, I, I say that jokingly and at the same time in all seriousness, um, because I'm pretty skeptical now in this, um, stage of my faith journey about formulaic things. Um, you know, and I know that's not what we're talking or what you're asking, but like when you hear that, when you hear that, how does prayer work? A lot of times that's what people are looking for. They're looking for a formula. And, you know, I think how prayer works is it is, you know, conversation, with God, which I think for me, you know, which that still even sounds cliche. Um, but for me has, it has become more of a listening than a Mm -hmm. saying and speaking. And now don't get me wrong. I speak and I say a lot. (laughs) You and me both. We get in a lot of trouble. (laughs) Yeah. I speak and I say a lot, but, um, and which is still good. Like God loves that too. Um, but I do think prayer is a time of formation you know, prayer is a time of formation in that becoming Christ-like because you are with Christ. Um, you are experiencing him. And I would even say, like, even in that, I'd put a caveat. I'd put a, a thing for people who do beat themselves up and feel guilt and shame. I'm not feeling that. I'm not experiencing that. Um, yeah, don't put so much on that experience either because it's not so much about the experience. It's about Jesus. Yeah. Um, don't so, miss, yeah, don't miss you know, the person for the experience. And don't, you know, chase a necessarily experience or, or a spiritual high. You know, yeah. that's not what I'm talking about either. No. It is um, coming to realize and know more and more who God is and that God is with us all the time. Um, yeah. So how does prayer work? Man, I don't know. Maybe it's just having our eyes open to the fact that God is already here already with us mm-hmm. well and i think even look at the story of the persistent widow she didn't come once and then all of a sudden no, she no, had no, justice no. Yeah. like yeah she kept coming back and back and back yeah. and it took time you know yeah yeah this is a slow go man yeah slow like yep. this is uh a long obedience in one direction yep. eugene peterson yep. kind of thing that's faith i think yeah And I think like that would be where I'd go. Here's how prayer works is it like, I've been saying this over and over throughout the series. It gives me eyes for where the kingdom is popping up. Yeah. Um, And so when I'm praying, I'm inviting Jesus to show me where the kingdom, where his kingdom is showing up in our world Mm -hmm. or um, where to reimagine where it could be. Yeah. You know? And so that's a long, slow process. Um, that's given me a lot of grace with myself when I haven't met my own expectations. Um, Mm -hmm. it's allowed me then to have more joy, uh, Mm -hmm. because going back to the very first episode, when we started talking about the sermon on the Mount and you brought this up, 
Jesus in there gives us the Lord's prayer and I'm understanding I'm not very old, but as I'm getting older and I've been, you know, I've been a Christian since I was young, mm-hmm. but like, as I've matured in my faith, I began to recognize the gift that is saying, give me this day, mm-hmm. give, give us this day, our daily bread. That yeah. my job is actually only for today. How can I look more like Jesus just today yeah. and yeah. To stop worrying about like, Oh, I've got to like witness to all these people and get them all to Jesus before they die. It's like, Nope, just today, like, I'm going to get, like, really uh, focused on myself and the things that I can control, which a lot of counseling has helped me with, learning to let go of any anxiety of trying to make things happen for other people and just, you know, Mm. what can I do? How can I do, like, where's my anxiety in myself in each situation and resolving that and not worrying about other people, Um, you know, and... It doesn't mean I don't care about other people. That's not what I'm no, saying at no. all. I'm just saying like to stop trying to force things to happen in other people's yes. lives. Prayer has given me that gift to go. Thank you, Jesus, that I only need to focus on today. Mm, and yeah. I'm going to come and I'm going to pray. And like, I'm going to keep asking and saying, God, like, I know this is the right thing. Please fix this. Please yeah. like bring justice, fix this, heal this person, make this right, fix this system. Help me to see where are you bringing heaven to earth right now? What yeah. wants to happen next? And keep asking that and focusing on that. And one day that's faithfulness because one day Jesus will come back and make it all right. And when yeah. he does, I want to be found asking Jesus, what are you, what, what wants to happen? Because you've already worked on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, Dan. I, I love that. I will say on the Lord's prayer, something I've been adding in um, when I pray the Lord's prayer is after um, you're adding to scripture, uh, a prayer, um, (laughs) a prayer, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And something that I've really been, I've been stopping to say is, yeah, let that be in me, you Mm. know, Um, let that be in me and not, you know, I want those things. I want justice in the world, but I also want what's, broken in me to be healed too. Um, so that, you know, so it sounds very similar to what you're saying, right? It's like, so I'm not trying to go out there and force something yeah. or, um, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause you look at the Pharisee and it seems like he was trying to still prove himself to the world and to yeah. himself and to God that he mattered. Yeah. Whereas the tax collector already was coming going, I hope I matter because I've screwed up my life, you know? Well, and I even think, you know, you said one day, you know, and just that reliance on God for that one day and, um, you know, what we can and can't do. And, you know, my mind goes to the birds and the um, air and the lilies of the field and back to Kierkegaard, he'd say, those are our masters, our teachers, um, learning how to appreciate the day and that God, God takes care of us. Yeah. Yeah. So as you listen to the, or as we've been having this conversation and going through this um, uh, passage or passages, um, how is it, how, how is this going to change your next week? How is this going to change my next week? Mm, Well, I mean, keep it pretty simple. I think, Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I'm no expert as far as praying and don't have any of that stuff mastered. So I think, for me, keeping it pretty simple. And like, if this is what Jesus said, this parable is about, maybe there's some areas where I can still have some persistence there. Um, and being a little bit more disciplined, maybe in my own life at this time, or also, you know, not when those things happen that I don't try to do that in a 
form that's uh, self-seeking, you know? Yeah. That's so good. yeah, I think like, that's good. Maybe that's simple, but maybe that's the point too. Yeah. I think for me, what about you? I think for me, um, I've re-listened to a um, episode from exploring my strange Bible Mm. and with Tim Mackey and he was talking through Psalms 22. Yeah. Um, And in that Psalm, um, David uh, talks about everything that's going on and happening to him and happening around him. Um, But now once does he tell God what to do? Hmm. And so in this, my thought, it connected to me going, hey, maybe I need to stop telling God what to do and just start telling him what's happening. Mm. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think God needs me to tell, to, like, God doesn't need me to problem solve for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's right? pretty good at that. You know, and in growing up, I was taught like, oh, God already knows everything that's going on in your life. Well, then why do I need yeah. to go talk to him? Why do I need to tell him what's mm. going on? But mm. now that I, and so it's like, if he already knows, then why doesn't he do anything? And that's where I started approaching God going, here you don't seem to have this figured out. So let me problem solve for you. Mm. And instead I'm learning, I'm unlearning problem solving and I'm instead learning problem curating would be the idea. Mm. Like God wants me, he doesn't need me, but he wants me to come to him and tell him what's going on. Mm. Both the good and the bad. Yeah. And so, so that like, cause it's his world, it's his kingdom. He's working it out. He's bringing justice and orchestrating it in his way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like for this next week, for me, it's just, it's coming and going, Hey, here's the issues that I'm seeing. Here's the good things. Here's the bad things and making him aware of them. Like mm. I get here. He knows guys. Um, I don't need anyone <laughs> DMing us, but uh, like just, just saying like, God, this is what's happening around me in me um, through me because he does work through me too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And letting him deal with it then. And so like, to me, that's just, that is the persistence and the humility is to stop thinking that I know how to solve a problem better than God and just instead come and go, here's what's going on. Yeah. That's good. Thanks for sharing, Dan. Yeah. Blake, it was a pleasure to see you, to talk. Always is Dan. (laughs) Your gift, your gift. (laughs) (laughs) I love the attitude. It always is good to see me, Dan. (laughs) No, that's not. I meant to see you. I know. Whatever. I'm teasing you. So, Blake, thanks for the time. Humility. Thanks. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Blake is actually a really good guy and a really oh, dear thanks, friend. Dan. And you're going to make me blush. So I have loved watching you grow and oh, loved watching your faith, you know, grow. And mm, you and Erica thanks. have been an inspiration to myself and to Brooke. And mm. we just love being your friends. So yeah, thanks for your we love being today. friends with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. All right. Bye, Blake. Well, that was so much fun getting to talk with Blake and hang out with him and hear his perspective on things as we looked at does prayer work um, with the persistent widow and why we have to keep going back and back and back and um, learning how uh, we are invited to faithfulness and that prayer breeds that. And um, it's about, again, justice in the end and that God knows it's coming Um, knows what's going on and wants us to come and ask him and tell him what's going on. And so if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share, um, subscribe, uh, rate us, uh, share it on to people in your life and your community um, who you think would benefit from it. So thanks for tuning in. 
and being a part of this with us. The Holy District is a growing network of people in Allentown, Pennsylvania and Gilbert, Arizona, seeking to rediscover sacred in everyday places. If you want to partner with us, you can visit holydistrict.org uh, to share how or to partner with us through finances as we seek financial sustainability. Or if you want prayer or spiritual direction, you can visit our website too and schedule a time to meet with Erica, Blake, Brooke or myself. If you have a space or something that you want to invite the Holy District into or an idea to share, uh, feel free to reach out to us as well. Uh, Thanks, and we hope you have a great week.